we did not take a picture of that bed. From the blanket fort of Nuthouse Studios in beautiful downtown Lexington, Black Lightning Productions presents Bluegrass Homefront. Bluegrass Homefront Season 2, Episode 8, for the week of March 14th, 2021. My name is Tiny Brian. I am your host, and I am not yet out of breath. You are not. That sound you hear is the sound of my constant companion and our and your co-host, Victor. Victor, how are you today? I am fine today. How are you, sir? I am fired up because we have a big show today. All right. Got a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on. So apparently, we can see the light at the end of Plague World. Yeah. It's a, it's a big time, and we got a big show, and I'm glad you've joined us today, ladies and gentlemen. We do have a big show today, Brian. Yes. In fact, a little later, we're <laughs> going to be talking to a legend a real bona fide legend yes. deigned to speak with us, Mr. Anderson. He did, and we greatly appreciate it. He is a champion. No, I don't know. Did he ever? Yeah, he did. He won yeah. a championship, and he, he was the yeah. He was a he. He has a ring. He or has two yep, or, with the Kentucky Colonels in nineteen seventy five. Yes, he is the leading scorer for the University of Kentucky basket men's basketball time all time. All time. Scorer. Yep. Kentucky legend. Dan Issel joins us later in the program. He sure does. And Dan was one of the most awesome conversations that I've ever had with somebody. Just off the cuff, he was he was a really nice guy, and we really appreciated Dan talking to us. So, and we should talk about, so this this conversation is going to focus on Dan personally and his his coming up and, and being a part of uh, Kentucky basketball and mm-hmm. Colonels basketball and the NBA out in Denver. Going to talk about that stuff, but we also talked to Dan for another purpose, and I think it's time that we go ahead and announce that. Okay, what you got? So coming soon here towards the we're here in season two later on this season, we are going to be presenting our first Bluegrass Homefront audio documentary. Ooh, okay. Which is going to be uh, so this and the topic of this documentary is going to be the a history of. Something that maybe you don't know, maybe a lot of people listening don't know, is that Kentucky used to have a professional basketball team. They did. The called Kentucky. the Kentucky Colonels. Mm-hmm. They were not NBA. They were in a different league called the ABA, the American Correct. Basketball Association. Right. And uh, was there in the 70s, mm-hmm. from the mid-60s to the mid-70s. In 75, the Kentucky Colonels in Louisville won the championship for that team. They sure did. And Dan Issel <clears throat> was the uh, one of the main players, along with uh, – Oh no, Brian! Was Not too, me. No, I know, like but what was the old? guy's name? Shoot, see. Uh, well, okay. At any rate, uh, so yes, they won the championship in that same year. The NBA bought the ABA, took four of the teams, shut the rest of them down. The Colonels right. included. Included, yes. So we're going to talk about in later on the season. We're going to have a, a, our look at a history of that, and then we're going to talk about the globe, the truly global effort to bring professional basketball back to Kentucky as we throw our hat and our our whatever all of our resources that such as we have here in a blanket fort towards we, bringing a, a professional basketball team back to Kentucky we really need one we need one and and Louisville would be I think would be a good place I think the players would appreciate having a nice place to kind of stop over in the middle of the country like that you know under travels and I, I think it would make it a little easier on the whole league. I really do. Well, don't don't give it all away. Oh, okay. So, you know, but we've been thinking about this. Okay. And next few weeks, right here on Homefront, we will bring you that. that very. We'll, we're excited to do that. The first of <clears> – we're going to do more of these. We're going to tell Kentucky stories more than just talking to one person. We're going to go and build these stories up a little more. And this is the first one. We're excited to bring it to you. And as our first sneak peek, we're going to meet Dan Issel, as we did just a couple weeks ago. Okay. So we're excited for that. That's later on. Before that, we actually talked to a future legend. Yes. A legend of tomorrow, though, without the, without the, the obvious superpowers that I know of. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he's definitely got the, the, the creativity mm-hmm. and the compassion. You know, those are some great superpowers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he doesn't turn to metal that I know of or, or well, not fly. Yet anyway, or, but. Not yet. So, uh, but we, we speak to Devon Karama mm-hmm. and uh, Lexington native, hip-hop artist, activist, 
we had a, a, a super long conversation. We're going to bring you just a little bit of it here because of time constraints. Maybe we'll bring you more of that later on. You get to hear two of my favorite conversations we've had so far doing this. So Yeah. Yeah. It is a big day. We are uh, we are super excited. And before any of that, we're just going to go right on into music. All right, here it comes. I hate the fact that you don't love me, and it's driving me insane.
Bluegrass Homefront. This is Victor with Tiny Brian. Yo. All right, in that first set of music, we heard Downtrend with I Hate, followed by David Hatton with Revolution, and Sarah Wood O'Donnell with Down in Carlisle. We still got to talk to Sarah at some point. We do. Yeah, we do. Um, I, I think we will. She, I think the little play thing makes her nervous as it does should, so... You know, we'll talk to her at some point, and uh, yeah, but we're we're coming to the end of the plague. In fact, this might be a good time. You know, our uh, the president was came out this week, and and after they passed the the big American Rescue Plan, came yeah. out and has started talking about it. And by the time you hear our voice, chances are you may be fourteen hundred dollars more enriched. Yeah. Uh. So, and they say that. The most important thing, I mean, as much as I like uh, a little stimulus payment, to me the most important thing is it says every every adult who wants a vaccination will be able to have one by May 1st. By May 1st. By May 1st. He did so, say that we could possibly have a 4th of July party. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how I took it. He, yeah. He that, was like, let's get this done like. and let's, let's all have a party on the 4th of July. That's like, hmm, okay. You know what we should do, Victor? What's that? We should have. We should try to like, folks. If you're within the sound of our voice and you like the music and stuff, we should try to get together sometime soon. What's that? Like get together with our audience. Oh yeah, sure. We should find some places. Like I think we should maybe, you know, definitely here in Lexington, right here at Nuthouse, right here at. Uh, well, you know, it'd be a good idea. Like anybody in mm-hmm. Kentucky, if you would like to talk to us on Zoom, and maybe when Plague World lifts, we'll actually come to you if you would like to. You know, yeah. hang, hang out and tell us some stories. We're always interested in interesting Kentuckians. 
So, but we want to, I'm just, I just think not just the country, but I, I want to get together with our listeners. I'm ready. To, I want to meet you. I want to come out and talk to you. I'm halfway through my vaccination cycle. My first one went well. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I, I'm good. feeling good and, and ready to, you're going to, you're soon to get yours, right? Uh, I think Wednesday. Yeah. So we're, we're excited and that we're ready to come out and, and we're ready for Plague World to be over and ready to meet you. And so. So what, beyond that, though, we do have some sad news for the UK team. Oh, yeah. It's over. It's over. Thank I God. mean, just, it's, it's, at well, least it's done. I feel relieved. <laughs> Nine and 16, I think, is the final <sighs> record. And it's that's just sad. But thankfully, thankfully, it's over. I think the season is over, over. I don't think they're playing anymore. No, I, I think that last we heard, they weren't accepting a bid to the NIT. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they lost in the first round. So Yeah. And I, that would probably be true in the uh the big tournament too yeah, whoever they play like i wouldn't want to even see them play like san diego state Whew. you know what i mean i wouldn't want to see them play western yeah at this point or moorhead so. yeah well you know moorhead's actually a good Moorhead. win yeah at this point yeah <laughs> they're at the tournament yeah. yeah so is rick patino and it, yeah with iona state for no just iona oh it's not iona state just i don't think iona. so oh well whatever it's it is. the iona gales whoever they are the gales like a wind like I think so, yeah. I have a pop filter, so it's hard for me to blow into the microphone. <laughs> the one time I need to. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 thank God it's over. And uh, Yeah, at this we, point, we don't even know if Louisville's in. We know Duke's out. Yeah, Duke's out. So. Duke's out, so that's good news. Well, hopefully they're out, unless they find an excuse to let them in, you know, because it's Duke and some mm-hmm. team will have COVID. And it's like, oh, let's have Duke. It's like, oh, eat it. Yeah. <laughs> You know that's coming. Mm-hmm. You know it's coming. And, and sadly, Mitch Bernhardt's going to sign off on it because he's like the NCAA dude. Yeah. All right. So what this tells to me is this get you know, we're going to take a break from talking about Kentucky basketball here on home front. Yeah. We're going to have a little bit of a Salah. We're going we're gonna to breathe. We could start talking about some football. Yeah. And, yeah. And in a little bit, we'll talk about football. We're all real excited about right. football. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. We'll kind of give the basketball a break to the fall. And in the you meantime, know. we will we we will uh, as much as we love it, we will refocus. Yeah, I'm going to come up with a clever transition that I don't have, so I'm just going to say. Well, here's the thing: like we're going to up next, we got Divine Karama. Yes, and that's like I said, that's one of the best conversations we have. So you guys enjoy that. All right, so we are so happy to be joined at this time with a Lexington hip hop artist, activist, personality. Give her the person thing I first got to know you for was for uh, running a coat drive every year to help yeah. the less fortunate throughout Lexington. I think my son may have even benefited from that coat drive once. Wow. Divine Karama, thanks so much for joining us here in the studio and on Bluegrass Homefront. No problem. Blessed to be here. Um, we, we really appreciate you coming out today, man. Uh, no problem at all. Um, and, I'm glad we could do it, especially on a day like today. Yeah, yeah. in fact, just as, you know, here we are. About a year into the uh, coronavirus plague world nightmare, <laughs> and about this time last year, we actually had made the decision to start this particular podcast, even though we didn't launch our real first episode for months still into September. But when we decided to launch the podcast, we made a list of who we wanted to talk to, and, and I believe you were number three on that list the, the first time we wrote it, the very oh, wow. first one. So, And we just wow. knew him as King Tucky then. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and i got to say, I love that. That is, yeah. the, I saw that is stuck in my head for, for years. So uh, so how did you come up with the name King Tucky? So a, a lot of people think it's um, kind of a braggadocious just play on being the king of Kentucky, you know, when it comes to hip-hop. Sure. Um, but the way I address um, you know, the mentees that I work with, the people that I work with is always, you know, peace queen, peace king, mm-hmm. um, especially um, my brothers and sisters of color, only because a lot of times in music, a lot of times over the years and certain narratives, um, they're disrespected. Even within our own community, sometimes we use language um, that doesn't truly build one another up. So I always try to push people to find the royalty within. Um, so really that's, what I wanted it to be. You know, I wanted to inspire you to be a king or queen. So we're all so, King Tucky. That's right. You just own the trademark. That's right. So there you go. <laughs> you're, you're just a Everybody steward can't of get the paid trademark. for it exactly. now. <laughs> so Queen Tucky, King Tucky, um, 
you know, we even got merch now. Yeah, I saw that. That's That's very cool. My LLC, Mm -hmm. we got a hoodie um, in my album, which is probably still kind of my crown jewel. 2016 was the King Tucky album. Um, Which is yeah, it's a great album. I appreciate that. So we are. uh, It's it's a weird time for anniversaries in general. Uh, You know, the coronavirus. We're we're a year into Plague World and. Of course, uh, an, uh, a sad mile, another sad milestone for here in Kentucky is, of course, the death of Breonna Taylor was just recently we, we observed. I wouldn't say we celebrated, but we celebrated the life of Breonna, obviously. Yeah. But uh, her the one year since all that went down. And I know you were actually in, pro, in uh, Protest Park yesterday, correct? Yes, yes. When, from when we're recording this. Yeah. Could you give us and our listeners just maybe, just, you know, just an idea of what it was like and what went on. Just kind of give us your view of, of what you saw there yesterday and maybe even larger, whatever, you know, larger concerns you want to talk about. Sure. Um, so obviously I spent quite a bit of my summer in Louisville um, protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, about a month after Brianna Taylor passed, um, one of my teenage daughters had passed away in a car wreck. Oh. So she was very um, outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a proponent of expanded African-American education. So, you know, kind of reeling from that, I knew that if she was alive, she would be on the front lines for Brianna. So that's what motivated me to kind of step outside of just my art and, and you know, get on the front lines and be with the people. So one of the, the things I noticed yesterday about being there was the tone was different. The tone, believe it or not, was a little bit more angry. Um, because now we're not gearing towards something. You know, we were protesting to get a conviction, to get a grand jury to look at this, to get the FBI, the attorney general, to do his job. Sure. So now we're not really gearing towards that. So now it was kind of reflective anger. Frustration. Frustration. But then also there was a cerebral component that people understood Okay, protesting in the streets is is one thing. Well, we got elections coming up in 2022. They're trying to pass Brianna's law. You know, Attica's been huge in Frankfurt pushing that. Um, So there was that component, but then there was also this this anger um, as well. Um, Jacob Blake, George Floyd, um, Tamir Rice's family. Um, we're actually there to support Tamika Palmer, Brianna's mom. Really? Yeah, Benjamin Crump came. Um, Dr. Umar Johnson, who's who's a lightning rod, can be super controversial. He was there. Even um, cast members from Love and Hip Hop and Housewives of Atlanta really came to show their support. Wow, um, Atlanta turning so, up in Louisville. Yeah, I mean it was un- you know Young Jock, um, the rapper, and you know it was a lot of people there to say, hey, um, we're not done fighting. Um, so it was powerful. You know, and and sometimes anger can be a little off-putting for those who might not who might be on the fringes or even consider themselves completely outside of the the activist movement and kind of watching from afar. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's there's a difference between at least, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong here. There seems sure. to be a difference between a, a, an anger that leads towards violence and an anger that is uh, the idea of the dream deferred, the idea of that you know things aren't happening that justice isn't isn't being served and mm-hmm. that it's it leads towards change rather than rather than anything else would you uh, I, I would agree with that to an extent mm-hmm. but then also i would say because one thing i've learned is context during this time is so important that's why i love spaces like this mm-hmm. brothers like us get to sit here and talk mm-hmm. and i think information provides context which ultimately brings people together so that anger you know, one piece that people miss is that a lot of the people, some that do engage in, in the looting, rioting, or, you know, however they want to, you know, control the narrative, is that these people are already dealing with systemic oppression. Mm-hmm. Many are underserved, living in poverty, already felt they had nothing to live for, many of mm-hmm. them, struggling day to day, hour to hour, and then boom, they get hit with a pandemic that disproportionately impacts their neighborhood, right? Absolutely. Their community. Then the social unrest of seeing unarmed people who look like them being killed on a 24-hour news loop that they're forced to watch because they're stuck in the house, yep. right? So, and then when you see the lack of justice in the Breonna Taylor situation, 
sometimes when all of that boils up, we're not just talking about Breonna Taylor, but we're talking about decades of generational pain. Everything and from Emmett Till on forward. That's right. So on the news, it looks like a, a guy that's just throwing a rock through a window. How dare he? But when you look at the context, um, you tend to understand where that um, desperate anger um, boiling over comes from. Sounds like um, a, an old-fashioned furnace where you just keep feeding the furnace and you don't it. ever let it vent and let it. It's that's just it. going to build the pressure up till something bad happens. Does it? And and it, but it's it's and it's twofold because we got to minister and teach and tell our young people who are angry don't you know don't um, go the violent route while also trying to provide context to those that don't understand why that young man might be violent at this moment. So it's not. Um, absolving it's not providing an excuse it's providing context so you can learn so we can treat the root issue while also still telling him you got to do better we got to be better that isn't the way the root that's one of my big my big pet peeves it's like nobody fixes the root of anything we just go around putting band-aids on everything everything. that drives me nuts you know it's like we're we're not we're not to the root of the problem here people you know the 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 whole beyond the taylor thing it's when that happened, you know, I, I, I found it offensive. I'm like, so what, these dudes just kick in somebody's door and, and, and shoot them? Yeah. It don't matter if you're you're black or white at that point. That's wrong. And, that's and wrong. I, that's right. And you I know. think that's what led to the entire country protesting and even other countries because mm-hmm. you're right. You just said something like, I don't think people saw it as a race issue. No. It, Most people were like, this is right and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's wrong. And that's what will get people on the other side mm-hmm. that usually don't join in the fight. I think you saw more people um, looking at this thing like, forget Republican, Democrat. Right, yeah, that's that that just ain't right. The the visceral, you know, nine-minute torturous video of of George Floyd, you know. Yeah. If you you think about, you know, I always compare him in my brain a little bit to Emmett Till and how Emmett Till's mother allowed these pictures to come out of her poor son having been so mistreated in the South, and those pictures electrified the country and in a way yeah. sparked off the whole civil rights movement. That's right. And I feel like this, this you know, for the modern age, it's sort of here's George Floyd with this dude on his neck for nine minutes. That's it. Then that just, and then the story of Breonna, we don't need a video for. You know, somebody, three in the morning, somebody gets their door kicked in and they get shot. And the only pe- and the only bullets in that that the the that the attorney general says were illegal were the ones that missed. That's unreal. appalling. That's it's, appalling. It's unreal. It's it's disgusting. And when it you is. hear the 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 humanity of it when you hear her mom and her sister and auntie and realize that this was a person mm-hmm. that she was front lines in a time where we were celebrating frontline workers. Yeah, she was an EMT, workers. correct? Yeah. yeah, I mean out there saving lives. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's double shift she was working man. Mm-hmm. at that time. Um, it's just heartbreaking, man. It and is. that's where that because sometimes I feel that anger boiling up, and I, you know, and I have to check myself and cut in prayer and faith just to keep me centered and calm. Um, because at any moment, it could be my wife, it could be me, it could be my oldest daughter, Jada. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when I see Brianna, she was young enough to be my daughter. I'm mm-hmm. 40 years old. When I see her, I see my girl. Right. So, yeah, man, emotional. They call me King Tucky because I'm rather unique. I'm a little passive when I speak, but with the actions of beasts. I stood 6'2 with a massive physique. Master ruler after school, I used to battle rap in the street. It's obvious it's boom bap on the beats. I spit the truth in the booth, then I watch my pastor preach. I dip and use fountain, but it's slack in my jeans. My album's a nostalgia with a classic critique. I never finished college but got a master degree because Karama spit knowledge that the Africans teach. I never celebrated drama, got a passion for peace, but I'm woke, so I document the blacks and police. I got no Achilles heel, my flow battle with Greeks, I hone my skill to push it with the craft till it peak. With my shackles, I'm free. I'm a rapper that believes so, pass the MIC because I'm rather unique. And I spit food for thought with the rhyme, I make the best food. Extravagant design like I was created in a test tube. Never that, every Sunday through the vestibule. I walk into the church and I worship until the service ends. I remember once I thought about suicide. But God said it's not time for you to die. He said, Divine, I got a purpose for you. So if you fall, that's just an opportunity for you to fly. 
Now I spread my wings like an eagle, get my blood, sweat, and tears when performing for the people. Peace and love. Dead wood just below the timber line. Fish hooks hang by barbed wire strung up about head high. It sits down in a hollow you can't see from the road. It's a godforsaken piece of ground with the greenest grass that grows and it's hard to turn a dime. These days with an honest hand. Yeah, but me, I'm doing fine Making a living off land Got this piece of ground On the day I turned 18 Granddad on his deathbed Signed my name upon the deed He said, son, it ain't much count But it's all that's left me For five generations it's fed your family And it's hard to turn a dime These days with an honest hand Even me, I'm doing fine Making a living all Chickens in the front yard, pit bulls tied up in the back. My cousin Frankie heard the brothers had a plan. They were waiting on a full moon to come and raid my land. Frank and I were waiting when the brothers both arrived. The dead end road was silent. They turned off all the lights They had the back of knives in hand And a couple of burlap sacks And as they crossed the fence Frank put the hammer back There were bullet cases flying My ears ringing like a bell Buckshot falling around me I turned as Frankie fell I crawled through the road ditch, laid a rifle on the hood Put a beat on the youngest, and I dropped him where he stood And it's hard to turn down these days with an honest hand Giving me I'm doing fine, making Said knife for knife But me and Frankie's brother We're going down the hill tonight And it's hard to turn a dime These days with an honest hand Yeah, but me, I'm doing fine Making a living all So it's hard to turn a dime These days with an honest hand Forgive me, I'm doing fine Making a living all
rise of the now, my love I made the pie myself It's made with love and care and time Ingredients from my shelf Have a cup of joe and say I roast the beans myself If you stay right here with me, my dear You will see in my eyes that you You make me who I am Make me who I am, you make me who I am. You make me who I am, you make me who I am. You make me who I am, you make me who I am.
Welcome back, Bluegrass Homefront. This is Victor with Tiny Brian. It is Tiny Brian. It is. So the very first song was a very cool in-studio in uh, recording by DeBrian Karama called Rather Unique, and that was followed by Tony Logue, Deadwood, and the Restless Leg Stream Band with Slice of Now. Oh. Yeah. From So, you know, I love the Restless Leg String Band. Right. And from that and then to watch Divine in here just, you know, weave it together for us right yeah. here in, in person with no backing track. And that was, a, yeah, no backing track. He just, he just straight up. When he up came just, in, he's like, so what do y'all want me to do? And I'm like, well, you know, we could play one of your one of your pre-recorded things. He's like, or, you know, we often have people play live. He's yeah. like, well, I'll, I'll just do that. And I was like, do you want me to plug in for some sort of beat? And he's like, no, nah, I'll just do it. Yeah, I'll just do it. Yeah. And you heard he just. Just, it just built so, it out, and I was like, hell yeah. That's so, the way to do it right there. Absolutely. It was great. Yep. And uh, it was great to talk to him and mm-hmm. uh, spend some time talking about Kentucky and, you know, that man's, you know, he's bringing coats like I, you know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's bringing great. coats to the little kids. I and mean, he, he walked, and he walked from Pikeville to Paducah. I didn't did. know people did that. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. Well, sure. I mean. He said it. What it took him like sixteen days. I yeah. mean, that's that's a pretty long time. That's a little more than two weeks. Yeah, that's to, a, to that's make a, a walk, and uh, you know, I bet that was interesting for him. We'll have to talk to more more to him about that at some point. Yeah. So that was exciting. Um, so anyway, now we'll turn on to our our next segment here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like we said earlier, you know, this is a Kentucky legend. Uh, was great to get him. He's born up around uh, around Chicago, yeah, and uh, did sort of the reverse hillbilly thing. Instead of you know, we we are born in the mountains and we'll move to Chicago to to work. Mm-hmm. He was born in Chicago and moved to Kentucky to play basketball, right? And did it here for many years, for four, for three or four years, for three for eight off up himself mm-hmm. uh, in the sixties. In the sixties, and uh, then came, then stayed here and played for the Kentucky Colonels, right? Was the uh, all-time leading scorer for Kentucky was the second all-time leading scorer for the entire ABA. Right. And won a championship with the Colonels, went on to play for many years with the Denver Nuggets, coached the Denver Nuggets, was a partial owner, now is leading, is at the forefront of the global effort to bring uh, professional basketball back to the state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So we are – and. I mean, it's – We were we humbled. Were, yeah, we were humbled and starstruck and a little awkward – so to talk to, but we are very happy to bring you this conversation with Kentucky legend Dan Issel. We are so we are honored to be joined at this time with uh, Kentucky legend, basketball legend, professional basketball legend Dan Issel. Thank you for joining us here on Bluegrass Homefront. Uh, very happy to be with you. So tell me, are you, I know that you're uh, you kind of split your do you split your time still between Louisville and uh, Colorado? Are you in Colorado where? Well, the the pandemic has kind of cut that a little bit. We uh, before that we were splitting time. Uh, our both of our children and our five grandchildren are all in Colorado. Mm. Uh, but uh, hopefully, we'll get back to splitting time pretty soon. I, I can tell you, the Commonwealth misses you, Dan. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so, just apropos of nothing, my first question is: Which do you prefer, Appalachians or Rockies? Since you did live in a Appalachian Mountain State and and you live there in the Rockies. Yeah, well, the Rockies are uh, the Rockies are pretty nice. Uh, you know, it's uh, with the skiing up there and uh, and all of the nice resort towns. Uh, we uh, we spent uh, some time up there for a while and really enjoyed it. So I think I'd have to pick the Rockies. I could, uh, uh, you know, no, I, I've I've seen the Rockies and spent some time there. I got to kind of it's it's amazing. There. And there is so much to do there between the skiing oh, and, yeah. and all that stuff. So so okay, that well, was we, just. We really like we really like it in the summertime when uh, when the aspens are out and uh, and and the temperatures are nice during the day and cool off very much at night. Uh, I think I enjoy summer in the Rockies to to the uh, more than the, the winters. Hmm. Amazing. Well, I, I myself have never been that far west, so I'm that's that's what we call a life goal. But uh, <laughs> so. Looking back at your your early life, I know you you grew up around. Is it uh, is it actually a suburb of Chicago, or is it just in Illinois? 
Well, it's it's a far west suburb. It's about 40 miles from downtown Chicago. That's that's not really that far as, as spread out as Chicago is. Yeah, I grew up no. 40 miles from the Walmart, so. <laughs> <laughs> so 40 miles from Chicago sure sounds like the suburbs to me. <laughs> so in doing some research, I've noticed you were recruited by several colleges, including Northwestern right there in Chicago, and it, they would have been another Wildcat team. Uh, I'm curious right. why you chose to uh, to come down here with us weirdos in Kentucky. Well, it, uh, it, it it's kind of an amazing story, really. I, as you say, my my folks wanted me to go to Northwestern because it was uh, very close to home and uh, and and a great academic school. And I actually signed a Big Ten letter of intent to go to the University of Wisconsin. Right. I wasn't uh, I wasn't Kentucky's uh, first choice, uh, but uh, then when. When they lost their first choice, uh, George Janke, to uh, Dayton, uh, they upped the uh, uh, the recruiting on me. And uh, I can still remember my father saying, "You know, if you're if you're serious about this basketball, at that time Kentucky had had more All Americans and more professional players than any other uh, program uh, in the country." And so we took a second look at Kentucky and and made the very smart decision to change from Wisconsin to uh, to the University of Kentucky. So you actually played for Coach Rupp, right? I did. That's, I that's... did. I, gradu- I graduated in 1970, and Coach Rupp's last year was uh, 1972. So okay. right there at the end of right the career. Right there at the end. So yeah. being a, a young man from, you know, the Chicago area, was there any concerns about, you know, coming down this far south into this weird part of the world? Uh, no, not not really, although I had never been to Kentucky when I took my first recruiting trip. <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever been here. And, uh, and, and, and Lexington was, was not time. exactly a metropolis in those days. No, no. And it was actually the first time I was ever on an airplane at 17 years old. But, oh, wow. Uh, but uh, I quickly uh, learned how important uh, basketball is to Big Blue Nation and uh, and as I said, it was a it was a smart choice to change my mind and and come play for the Wildcats. I know we're sure glad you did. Oh yeah, even us even us people who weren't even born when you actually <laughs> finished at UK, we we still look back and are, are so glad you you came. That's, yeah, that's a little bit before our time. I was telling Brian, you're you're about my dad's age, so that, that's uh... yeah. Well, it uh, it not it was a smart decision basketball wise, but it was. Uh, a smart decision for a lot of reasons in my life. Uh, uh, my wife, I met at UK. She was a cheerleader for the for the Wildcats when I was playing there, and uh, and uh, you know, being able to play for Coach Rupp, uh, you learned a lot about basketball, but you learned a lot about life too. So it was uh, it was a very good decision. Was Lexington a shock? Kind of coming to the yeah. small town? Did you did? Yeah. Not, not really, because at that time my hometown was only about 7,500, and there were there were actually agricultural spaces between my hometown and and Chicago. Uh, they don't exist anymore. It's, no, uh, it's all Walmart's and Targets now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, but uh, not not really a great shock because, as I said, my my hometown was was even smaller than Lexington, so. Uh, I, I learned to uh, to love it very quickly. Well, we, we like to think of Kentucky as a welcoming place, and I'm glad to hear that even back then it was welcoming to you and, and made you feel Absolutely. at home. Absolutely. Yep. So I want to talk about your end of your Kentucky career for just a minute because you, you had – you entered – because at this time, obviously, for the uh, there was both the um, the NBA and the ABA – and you had entered the draft in both, and I understand that you were drafted rather. You, you didn't make you didn't make as good a showing in the NBA as the ABA. Was there ever any any doubt about going about joining the ABA as you're coming out of UK? Well, a, a little bit. Uh, you know, the, at that time the uh, the ABA uh, w- was only in their fourth year of existence. And to that point, hadn't been getting a, uh, a, a lot of the outstanding college talent. Uh, that kind of switched my year. And, uh, uh, you know, I was, uh, I, I, I talked to some people in the NBA about where uh, 
I, I might be drafted and what the money was like. But the chance uh, by then I'd been in Kentucky for four years and had fallen in love with the state and, and with the people and had a couple of close friends, Louis Dampier, uh, the great All-American guard at Kentucky, being one of them that played for the Colonels. When, mm-hmm. when the money, we found out the money was going to be about the same and the ABA was starting to get better players. My, my uh, rookie year, there were six consensus All-Americans and three of them, Charlie Scott, Rick Mount, and me, wound up signing with the ABA. So it really came down to uh, uh, the chance to, to stay in Kentucky and, uh, and just move 75 miles up the road. Uh, and uh, I, I actually signed uh, with the Colonels before the NBA even had their draft, which is why it shows I was drafted in the eighth round. That didn't seem reasonable. Detroit. Uh, yeah, I thought that too. I was like, that didn't make any sense. Who in the who in the world went seven rounds and went? You know, Dan Issel. Yeah, who cares? He's only Kentucky's yeah. all-time leading scorer. You know, who who needs yeah, that think, guy? I think they took me in the eighth round, thinking that uh, you know, if the ABA folded, they would have my rights. But sure. Yeah, I, I I had already signed my contract when the NBA had their draft. Victor, do you have any other burning questions? Uh, burning questions? I mean, I can sit here and talk, pick Dan's I was brain say, about, we could about talk basketball, basketball all day. day yeah. yeah, but I'm sure he's probably <laughs> got better things to do. But uh, uh, no, I mean, just having the NBA in in uh, in Kentucky would be kind of like a dream come true to me because uh, uh, because of my roots, Chicago ends up being my favorite team. I've followed right. them. I've followed them for about forty years now. Yeah, almost. Victor's mothers grew up in Chicago. Right, so. I have family from Chicago, yeah. so I adopted them because I didn't have a Kentucky team to adopt. As we all pointed out, we don't have a professional team. So, just just to just to talk to you and 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 to really learn some of the the rich history we had back in the seventies here. And and man, it's it's too bad it got cut off. Really, it it would have been awesome if the Colonels mm-hmm. could have went along with the other four teams to join the NBA. That would have been you know better for everybody here anyway. Yeah. Yeah, at that at that time, it probably John Y. Brown, who at that time had become the sole owner of the team, uh, and decided to uh, fold it and take money instead of it was probably the right financial decision at that time. Certainly, you can him. understand that. Had he known by 2020 his franchise would be worth a couple of billion dollars, he probably. Would be. He probably would have made a difference. Maybe rolled the dice. <laughs> well, and you know, you say that, and all these NBA teams are worth a billion dollars with yeah. a B now. So, yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. I just saw Forbes. Forbes just valued the New York Knicks. Of course, that includes um, Madison Square Garden. But they just valued the Knicks in Madison Square Garden at $5 billion. So, wow. Man a lot for basketball and, uh. and you know they've been terrible for 30 years yeah it's not like the knicks have, have a lot of championships you know what they got some kentucky boys in there now helping them out a little bit yeah, they, they, they might actually make the playoffs this year and they're getting better they yeah, we've, we've started to say the k in the knicks stands for kentucky yeah. <laughs> well i think they're finally realizing how good julius randall really is absolutely he yeah. is fantastic all right, Dan. And you know he's he's getting a lot of help from uh, Kenny Payne. Who yes, sir. Left, uh, mm-hmm. Who left Kentucky to their detriment and has been a Absolutely. real for for New York. Yeah, if you t- if you see Kenny Payne, tell him we miss him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'd love him to have you back on Cal staff. That's for sure. I know they miss Isn't him. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> All right, well, Kenny, it's been great no, talking. Dan. Dan, I'm sorry. I just went. I just turned you into Kenny Page somehow. I'm, I don't know my brain. I'm having a day. Uh, but Dan, it was uh, so great. Richard, it's hmm? great. It's great being with you, and uh, you've got my number now, so you don't have to call Singapore. Just call me direct. Well, we hope we we we'd love to get together with you in person when you know we're not all afraid of getting a global pandemic. Well, like Brian, like Brian said, we're working on a larger a larger story here, so we may actually call you back and, and have a couple of follow up questions yeah. if that's all right. Glad to talk with you anytime. All right, Dan, thanks so much for joining us here on Bluegrass Homefront. It's been the honestly, this is the everything we've done has kind of led up to this. I feel now I'm kind of like it's the finale of the podcast because <laughs> I've actually gotten to talk to basketball legend Dan Essel. Thanks so much for joining us here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Welcome back to Bluegrass Homefront. I am still Tiny Brian. With me is with me into through the whole show today is Victor. And I'm still Victor. He is still Victor. Last yeah. time I checked. Yep. So we appreciate Dan Issel coming on with that wonderful interview. He he's a wonderful gentleman. It's like kind of like talking to your dad, and for a reason for that, he's him and my dad are about the same age. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was very cool. We, we would like to officially adopt him as podcast dad. Yeah. We would like to. <laughs> And uh, I don't guess it probably made it to the show, to the actual show. But one of the last things he said, it was like, you know, if you if you got more questions, just give me a call. Just give me a call. You got my so, number. Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah, I have Dan Essel's phone number in my in my phone, Victor. It's right. weird. It is weird. I don't know what to do with it. I go and look at it. My contacts sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't just put that in there for fun. Well, I now would actually connect with that name. Now you got an excuse to reach out to him to let him know that he's going to be on our podcast. I, I, yes, yeah. I will. The day this comes out. Oh that's yeah, the, that's the way it works. That's so. exciting. I am excited. So had a had a great time today with with all of our guests. We did, and uh, do want to end on a little bit of a more mellow note. Okay, uh, you know, to this week being the we cel- we not celebrated. No. We, we celebrated the life and observed one year since the murder. Uh, yeah, the the needless murder. Yeah, uh, of Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Louisville native. Uh, EMT, right. Uh, working two shifts, working double shifts yeah. in a Louisville hospital, right. Taking care of COVID patients. Cops thought she had some drugs in her house, so they decided to burst in at three in the morning. Yep, kicked her door in without a word, sound asleep, and open, because the, yeah. and because the boyfriend was was audacious enough to think that when someone kicks in your door at three in the morning they mean you harm yeah he pulled out his gun and fired one shot yeah and they just opened fire all of them Mm -hmm. and so that was bad enough and then worse what the 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 attorney general decides to do the Mm -hmm. only bullets that he found to that he found that he needed to indict anybody on to hold anybody accountable for right were the bullets that missed that missed because they went through the apartment wall you know into the the other apartment which is complete and utter just bullshit yeah and you know and brianna had no drugs no she was asleep yes in her bed yeah the person they were looking for was in custody yeah so and, and but besides all that, I don't think you should ever have an excuse to kick somebody's door in. Yeah, as, you just don't. I mean, that's why is no knock a thing, people. I don't like. I don't get that part. It's like why is that a thing in the first place? Yeah, of why? course you don't want that to happen. At no circumstance, nobody wants your door kicked in at three a.m. in the morning. No, you do not. This is what happens when 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 you declare war on your own citizens. Right. Because that's what war. That's what soldiers have to do, and they have to do it when they're at war. Right. And but when you declare war inside your own borders and you say, Well, we're gonna have a war because of this thing a war that on we drugs. think you ought not have. Right. Well then that's when we get to these terrible consequences. Which everybody has, including them. So and it plays into our worst instincts as people. Mm-hmm. And it, we just we just gotta find We always end it. on that, don't we? Stop boo, the boo. Drug, yeah, yeah, stop the drug war. If there, yeah. If there's okay. any anything, yeah. <laughs> here's the here's your latest update to the Bluegrass Homefront drinking game. Whenever Brian and Brian, Tiny Brian or Victor talks about ending the drug war, drink, please. Yeah, or responsibly take, engage take you, in take some you sort a big, of Take a big shot at the hardest drug out there. Enjoy. Responsibly. Yeah, responsibly. Yes, we, we are not advocating you know irresponsible, Behavior. reckless drug use or destructive behavior. Well, you know, drinking's acceptable though. <clears throat> Yeah, but it's, it's advertised and acceptable. It's the drug that gets to be free. Yes, if they're if intoxicant, if one intoxicant, you know, we we have we have demonstrated that we will not give up all intoxicants as a society. Well, of course we not. Won't. Nobody is going to ever do that. Everybody has something, and then to it, decide some are this and some are that. Right. And when people have a problem, they're that 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 person is a medical patient. Mm-hmm. That is not. That's not a can, crime. And and any intoxicant it's, it's can a, turn you into a patient. It's a victimless crime. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. We invent criminals. Right. You know, and and, and so it just we just gotta stop it. Yeah, we stop. got to there needs to be an armistice. This has to stop. Yeah. Stop, stop the drug, the drug war. war. Yeah. There you go, Joe Biden. You wanna you wanna make a change? Oh man, sign it. Stop yeah. the drug war. You can you can sign the little thing today that would stop the marijuana thing. That would be a first step. Yeah, we don't. Need, you don't even need Mitch that, McConnell that, to sound to, to weigh in on no, that. No, that that's not even a drug. Everybody knows it. I mean, if, 
if you try to say otherwise these days, you're just laughed at because you're just being ridiculous. So there it is. Yes. If you have <coughs> now, if you disagree, we'd love to hear your reasoning. We're always open to conversation Absolutely. about it. Hit us up. You can and you can reach out to us. And uh, what's that email where they can reach out to us? Feedback at bluegrasshomefront.com. Feedback right? at bluegrasshomefront.com. All That's right. right. There it is. We're also on all the social media. We answer all those things if you reach out to us there. But the feedback at the G- at the bluegrasshomefront.com is the best way to reach us. Bluegrass Homefront is produced by me, Tiny Brian Woodard, with Victor Anderson, who is our. It's just funny. You always put your last name there. You kind of pause. You go, Tiny Brian Woodard. <laughs> just throw that in there. It's like in case you wanted to know what my last name was. But go ahead. Tiny this has Brian. been Victor observes my rhythms. See, there's a reason. Another reason. Take a shot. Yes, Victor corrected. Take your shot. <laughs> Let's try that again. We're not actually going to – we're just going to leave that in. Bluegrass Homefront is produced – Bluegrass Homefront is produced by me, Tiny Brian Woodard, with Victor Anderson, who is our who is also our music supervisor, our associate producer and editor who is in studio with us today. Hey, Malachi. That's Malachi Woodard. We offer special thanks this week, as all weeks, to Catherine Leon Anderson and Michael Trent. You can subscribe to our newsletter. Ooh, there might be a newsletter. We have a newsletter. We have a, we have a newsletter. Maybe Does it at function? some point. No, we've never sent it out. Somebody, somebody, you can subscribe, and at some point we're gonna. Oh, okay. But uh, you can do that. You can see all of our past episodes and learn more at bluegrasshomefront.com. Until next time, this is Tiny Brian saying, "The blinking light was only me." Bag carrots. <laughs> <laughs>